We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, everybody? Happy NFL Week 12. It is good to be here. Merrick Cranham joined on the DFS Pick 6 as I am every week. We got Rich Rebar. We got John Daigle. Reeves, how are we doing today? Dude, real good, man. You know, we're closing in on the holiday season, so, you know, Christmas trees will get put up and everything's out in the stores, the Christmas beers. But, uh, man, what a gross Week 12 we have to get us there. I mean, this is this is arguably one of the worst NFL slates I can recall. Uh, maybe that makes it fun, but we've got five games. Like five have a forty-two point total or lower. Just three have a over forty-five point total. Um, we have just and the NFL didn't even se- segregate it for us. They gave us nine one o'clock games and just two four o'clock games uh, on the East. You know, they split it up just two afternoon games and one is the Jaguars and the Titans. <laughs> like they're trying to reinforce a Thursday night game onto us. <laughs> like they're trying to re-prime time the Jags and Titans for us. It's just it's unfair. It's unfair and it's rude and I don't appreciate it. Yeah, that uh, NFL red zone is not going to be, as the kids say, lit for the second half of uh, Sunday. That's for sure. John Daigle, how we doing, man? We're doing good, buddy. We're watching Luca in the background. That's as I, you seriously are. like you guys. If you're, <laughs> I, I know we're recording this and everybody's going to be. We're recording this on Wednesday evening, but I just watched Luca have twenty-two points in the first quarter. Like Dallas is up forty-four to sixteen after a quarter. I know this NFL show, yada yada yada, blah blah blah. But holy cow! Anyways, well, yeah, what's up? We are we are paying attention to the next LeBron in the background. It's okay. And at Tareem's point, yeah, it is kind of odd that they flexed out the Seattle-Philadelphia game, and then for whatever reason, just stuck it at noon as opposed to the afternoon. So now pretty much everyone will watch the Cowboys and Patriots as opposed to the Jags and Titans in that second slot in the afternoon. But hey, 
we're here. And then next week, we only have three games to discuss on the show, which we are not prepared for at all on Thanksgiving because we're just all looking forward to food. So, yeah, it's a, it even feels like the season's slowly coming to a close. I love that you guys are pretending like we're not just thinking about food every show. Like, that's every just going to happen next week. Let's be honest. That's not how this works. How this does work, though, for you guys over watching on YouTube, it works by clicking the like commenting on the video, and then, of course, subscribe to the channel. We would really appreciate it. It does a lot for us over at Roto Grinders. And if you're enjoying the content, let us know. We really appreciate that. Also, the FanDuel single entry series is here. There's only one week of contests left. Of course, there are a ton of different price points you can play. So if you're high stakes, low stakes, you want to play them all, go ahead and do it. The six finalists at the end. They get to go the, to the WFFC party in Puerto Rico and play for their own prize pool. Also want to give a shout-out to Roto Garners member Gator25. He's in third place right now. Gator, good luck this week, man. Hope you crush it. And and I got to say thank you to the guys rocking the Roto Grinders badge and the Roto Grinders badge promo. Shout-out to Kid PVP. I'm not sure what that stands for. I'm not sure I want to know. We got Vaughn9211 and, of course, Mad H Mac. And maybe that's just because he's mad at Marlon Mac. For screwing everybody's lineups. Hope you get better, Marlon. I'm definitely not just bitter at this point. So, yeah, you know, Reeves, you kind of mentioned how ugly this slate is. Dagle, is this slate as ugly for you as it is for a lot of people? It's interesting. It's definitely an interesting tournament slate just because on weeks that you feel like you can't normally play some of these players, like this is a week we can take chances because those totals are so close together and because there are truly a lot of options within those uh, within those compacted totals. So I, I like it for tournament reasons, and which we'll get into a lot of tournament options here. But cash, I was trying to build a lineup earlier, and it is pretty tough so far. Yeah, good luck building the cash lineup you like. Yeah. It's just um. That's a good way to drive yourself crazy while losing money at the same time. Not something I recommend, but I am going to recommend this first game. It's our highest total on the slate. It's Tampa Bay. Sorry about that, guys. We had a little bit of a hiccup, and I think what happened is that you guys out there, you are so pumped. You are so pumped that we're on here that we asked you to like and subscribe, and we want to thank you guys for doing that. Keep on firing that like and subscribe button. It is much appreciated by us over on Roto Grinders, and uh Yeah, I want to jump into this first game. It's Tampa. It's Atlanta. It's a 51-point total. It's a four-point favorite for – what is it? Atlanta really favored? Is that really where we're at right now? The Atlanta that was dead in the water three weeks ago, and now suddenly they're four-point favorites against Tampa Bay. Dagle, i got to ask you, first of all, the Atlanta defense, they've had two good weeks in a row, and the reason that this is of note is because they've just been bleeping terrible all season. Is the Atlanta defense turnaround for real? They supposedly, and that's the real question of this slate, right? This is why I just posed the big question on Twitter because I was just trying to group think because I couldn't wrap my head around it. It would make sense, I guess, to, uh, to attribute it all to a coordinator change. But one, if it truly was the reason for their past two performances, uh, 11 sacks, four interceptions, six points allowed over the last two games, if that really is the reason and all it took was going to Raheem Morris, like shouldn't everyone be fired in the organization? Because you went day and night. You went from truly abysmal to an elite defense that has now shut down the Saints offense and Carolina's offense, which I know is iffy the, the more we catch up to Kyle Allen on footage. But even so, to be that impressive, it's quite crazy. So, uh, yeah, the thing is, though, I don't think we're going to know beyond this week because Jameis Winston, as we know, will have multiple turnovers, easy to project, and likely still a safe bet to go over 300 yards. 
So whether the Falcons defense is for real or not, I think they're in play. I'll say that much. Oh, you you just love playing defense, or yeah, you love playing defense against the Bucks. You That's have to. Point. Yeah, no, the, I, I get it. The Cardinals can get there. Any defense, whether <laughs> they are suddenly made over or not, can get there. Yeah, even if, whether it's real or not, I believe that they have a shot. Reeves, do you think this turnaround is real? No, not not for big picture. I'll say it's just it's a combination of a lot of things. You know, the players have come out themselves and say the scheme hasn't changed. Like no, yeah. nothing's changed. You know, they got you know they got Desmond Trufant back. They have faced two common opponents. You know, they faced Sean Payton and the uh, Saints off of their bye, off of Sean Payton's wedding, where they all probably partied and had a good time. Uh, they they own the Panthers and they caught a, a Panthers team that their quarterback play has just been trending down. You know, as much as as fast as the Kyle Allen Express of him taking over as the franchise quarterback rose, it is now sinking and plummeting back to the earth uh, these past few weeks. Uh, so they've got two common opponents. They've, they've always run hot in division. They get their third straight division game here, and they've beaten the Bucks five straight meetings. Now, I will say five of the past six times these two teams have played, they've gone over 54 total points combined. So, I mean, I expect, you know, the, the Bucks to score a touchdown. You know, the Falcons having a lot of touchdown and back-to-back games for the first time since 2006. But go on a limb and say the Bucks score a touchdown this week. Uh, but, uh, I, I mean, it's just a, a combination of a lot of factors, but definitely not just because Jeff Ulbrich started calling plays in first and second down and Raheem Morris started calling plays at third down has this turned into, you know, the 85 Bears. Uh, so, I mean, I think we'll probably see some some recoil and some rebound, you know, um, come from that, come from there. Because the same guys playing, and the same guys running the same plays. They come out and admit it as much. Um, but, uh, you know, the other side, though, you're getting a, the Bucks defense. So anytime the Bucks defense is involved, like, th- this team is is horrendous. So the Bucks are they're two and eight against the spread, league worst. They haven't covered in six straight games. They've allowed twenty-seven or more points now in eight straight games. That ties the NFL record for his most most games in a row, allowing twenty-seven or more points. Falcons probably going to get there. So even if you think the Falcons D is going to show up and continue this hot streak, the Bucks D is still in this involved in this game, and there's going to be some points scored on the other side of the ball. Yeah, and of course, we like to attack the Bucks, obviously, through the air, which immediately would lead us to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley coming off the big game. He's got a price bump, though. Dago, when you're looking at this Atlanta side, I assume we can just back off of Brian Hill and just look at the passing game? Yeah, Brian Hill week is dead and gone, thankfully. <laughs> after after uh, Kadri Allison basically outscored him on one ki- on two touches, and a big kick return. So I think we're, we think we're about done with the Brian Hill experiment, but, but I'm certainly not done with Julio Jones because Julio Jones now gets this just awful buck secondary. Julio Jones hasn't scored since week four, despite seeing the despite ranking number 12 in targets in that span last week. It made sense for Calvin Ridley to bounce back, uh, especially in DFS at his lower price point. But now Calvin Ridley, as you said, has been priced up. This week, I believe it's all about Julio Jones for that positive regression that should finally hit. And we've seen that in the past, right? Last season, uh, didn't score Julio Jones in his first and in the first half of the year, scored all of his touchdowns in the back half. I would imagine it's just these these streaks that Reeves can probably speak on more that Julio Jones just continues to do for his entire career, which is odd, but I would imagine he finally gets there this weekend. Yeah, and you know, you look at a guy like Julio and it's Really hard to ignore just how good of a spot this is. It seems to me, Reeves, like if you are building multiple lineups, or even if you're building one lineups, to me the first quarterback-wide receiver combo you have to look at is Ryan DeJulio. 
Yeah, and you know, we've got, you know, Tyree Kill on by, you know, Devontae Adams plays at night. I mean, outside of Michael Thomas, like there's very thin pivots too, you know, in that area. So I mean he just kind of, you know, is glowing like a neon sign, you know, right at that price point where he is, where you can save a, you know, save a thousand bucks and play Julio, or you know, you go down and take a shot on someone like Odell. But I mean, this is it's fine. We don't even need to cite Julio's, you know, splits. He has like almost like the T. Y. Hilton, like uh the T. Y. Hilton versus the Texans type splits. Like Julio owns the Bucks. He's just completely crushed in his whole career. But we don't even need it because the Bucks suck against everybody. Like they, they're the, they have allowed the most points in the NFL to opposing wide receiver ones. They've allowed opposing wide receiver ones to score a league high 10 touchdowns. If you look at the past three weeks, they've allowed the opposing wide receiver on the other team to be a top four score. Michael Thomas, Christian Kirk, Tyler Lockett. Um, Corey Davis didn't get over on them. And the week before that, DJ Moore at seven for 73. Michael Thomas again at 11 for 182. Cooper Cup had 121 yards. Sterling Shepard 100 and a touchdown. They are just terrible against opposing lead wide receivers. And not only are they terrible against opposing lead wide receivers, um, they are just a bad pass defense all around and hemorrhage wide receiver points to all receivers in the slot. Whether you're other, your opposite, your opposite side of the perimeter, fifty-eight uh, percent of the point fantasy points allowed by the Bucks go to opposing wide receivers. That's the highest rate in the league. We've got a pass funnel defense against the pass funnel offense. They can't run the ball. We talked about this with Brian Hill last week, and it, you know, it unfortunately, it came to fruition that the Falcons were probably a team that they weren't going to be able to run on anyone, didn't matter how good the matchup was, and it kind of came to fruition last week. Um, like a complete fish, I still played Brian Hill. Uh, I did too. Wore those yeah. and wore those five points in cash. I mean, I still came out of there because uh, I played Jeff Driscoll in cash, but uh, I escaped. Um, but you know, they can't run. So we've got a team that can't run, can only throw the football against a team that can't stop the pass but can stop the run. It's it's pretty cut and dry what we're going to do here. Yeah, and it's it's very rare. I think that we get these spots where we say, "Yeah, this is really easy. This is a don't get cute spot." And I feel like that's where we're at on the Buck side, though. We've got Jameis Winston in a spot where, you know, Daga, like you said, he's going to be throwing some picks. That's sort of his thing. You've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Neither really had the big game last week. I think they bounce back in a big way here. And to me, as much as I know you want to believe in this Falcons defense, I'm still going to be loading up on these Tampa guys as well. Oh, to be fair, I think you can play both. And it's just like we said last week. You can play the Cardinals and uh, you can also – or not the Cardinals. It was the – who did the Bucs play last week? Was it the Cardinals? Saints. I don't remember. Was uh, it Saints? Oh, Saints, yeah. So, uh, we said you can play the Saints and you can play the Bucks, But I think it's the same case this week. You can play the Falcons defense if you would like to. There are cheaper, other cheaper options, but you shouldn't be scared of the Bucks. The only concern here is that there is a reason why Evans and Godwin have kind of taken a back seat. Godwin more so over the past month. But OJ Howard. Well, OJ Howard for one game and then a benching. <laughs> one game and one target anyways. But no, uh, it's because this tree was concentrated, and now the past two games, it suddenly isn't. Uh, for those first eight contests for the Bucks, Evans and Godwin con- accounted for 27 and 23% of their targets. The next closest was Rashad Perryman and Dare Ogunbowale. So I've definitely mispronounced that, but whatever. No, you, I mean, you butchered that, man. Uh, Ogunbowale. How about that? I, I believe it's uh, – is it Dare Ogunbowale? Did I say it? Reeves? No, it's, I think it's Ogunbowale. All right, I'm, I've got, I'm got a silly short. 
Uh, pick six with phonetics, apparently. Anyways, 11, 11% target share and 8% target share for those guys, right? Way behind Evans and Goblin. And now these last two games in particular, we have Cameron Brake getting involved. Uh, last week in particular on a team-high 14 targets. In a game that the Saints didn't even have Marshawn Lattimore for, the Bucks still funneled targets to the tight end. Um, Ronald Jones has had 12 targets the past week. Scotty Miller's had nine targets the past two weeks. It's like all these ancillary jabronis are getting involved now and it's ruining Evans and Godwin. That's what's happened now. So it's a matter of, do you believe that they will finally stop involving these other pieces and get and go back to what they know best in Evans and Godwin. And I still do love Godwin in this spot in particular, despite the fact that it was, I'm sorry, Evans in this spot in particular, despite the fact that it was Godwin's who scored on that shallow crossing route and just had yak after the catch um, last week. But, yeah, I think you can go back to Evans. It just sucks that it is a concern that they're now getting everyone involved, whereas in the past they were not. All right, so what about you, Reeves? Are you concerned that they're not getting them involved in the passing attack, or do we just think that that's sort of a blip? I sort of feel like it's a blip, honestly. Yeah, I mean, well, well their pass protection's not been really good. It's kind of caught up to them a little bit here, you know, uh, the past couple weeks. They haven't been able to protect Jameis. So when the ball has to come out, you know, where's it going to go? It's going to go to the backs. It's going to go to the tight end. Uh, you know, the, they haven't thrown to the tight ends all season, as everyone that drafted O.J. Howard knows. So, like, them to just pepper Cameron Brate with 10 targets out of the blue last week was uh, was quite something. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they haven't been able to protect the quarterback. The Falcons have been getting after the quarterback the past two weeks, so that is something that could continue here. But, I mean, we're speaking in this game, though, all from a tournament stance anyway. It's a game stack stance. There's no one on the Buck side that you're playing cash, so what does it matter? Uh, so, I mean, it's, you know, you, you can go right back on the board and play for the upside in this game. Even though the Falcons have played well the past two weeks, I mean, you look at the past two wide receiver ones they faced, you know, Michael Thomas had 13 for 152. DJ Moore still got there at 8 for 95 last week. Um, they're still bad on boundary receiver, defending boundary receivers. They're 31st in the NFL. So there's still upside there for these guys, I mean, to hit. And this game pops. It's going to be – it's only going to pop because those guys, you know, really do something. Because they're the ceiling lifters this offense. The Bucks can't get there if they're going to throw a bunch of targets to Cameron Brayton, Ronald Jones. Uh, you know, it's got to be targets to Mike Evans and, you know, those guys, and Chris Godwin, guys that can have, you know, ceiling performances. Speaking of Ronald Jones, Daigle, are you willing to play him? No. Okay, Reeves, are you? No, hell no. No, what? I mean, last week was an anomaly, right? Like that's the first time in Bucks franchise history that they that was the fewest carries they've ever had in their entire organization's history. Having said that, there is no regression to come back for that. You're stuck in hell if you only have four carries. Jameis Winston's led this team in rushing the past two weeks. I think that explains. <laughs> I think that explains everything you need to know. Yeah, Jameis Winston not exactly the fleet. Of foot. All right, let's talk Seattle at Philly. 48-point total. The Eagles, two-point favorites at home. And with this Philly team right now, we're kind of waiting. Jordan Howard and Alshon Jeffrey, they were both limited participants in practice. And Reeves, I've got an Eagles team here that's projected to score about three and a half touchdowns. And outside of the tight ends, it's tough for me to get excited about any of these guys. Who do you like on Philly? Yeah, this is interesting. This is an interesting game altogether uh, because the Eagle, Eagles have not been good uh, offensively on any level. You know, starting from, you know, Carson Wentz on down. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz, I mean, he's, he's averaging a 6.6 yards for pass attempt. That's by far as low as since his rookie season. He's been the QB 17 uh, or lower in five of his past six games. 
Um, you know, but the, the Seahawks have been a team that really haven't gotten in the way of anybody defensively. I mean, they've allowed a QB one in five of their past six games. I mean, the only guy that wasn't was Jimmy Garoppolo in that Monday night game when basically all the 49ers left like with an injury or just, you know, Kittle didn't even start that game. But I mean, it's really hard to pinpoint who's going to do some damage here. Yeah. I mean, Alshon did some individual work today. We don't know if he's going to play. Nelson Aguilar sat out practice with a knee injury today. Uh, Jordan Howard still hasn't been cleared for contact, although he did some individual work. I mean, it is just it is just an offense that is really just not filled with anything exciting. The only thing is, that since so many guys have gotten hurt now, Ertz is back up to being used how he yeah. like was last year when everyone was hurt. Hurt, uh, you know, eleven targets in each of the past two games, at least nine catches in the past two games. One came against the Patriots last week, where the Patriots openly said that they were trying to take him away. Uh, from the game, and he still had nine for 94. Um, the problem with Ertz, though, is that he picked the wrong slate to be the clear tight end one. Uh, you know, he's priced up so much high. It's just really easy to, like, take the field here because, you know, you pay up for Ertz, or you can just say, hey, everyone else is going to pay down in this gaggle of, you know, just terrible tight ends, pick their favorite guy, and, you know, we can just see where this lies. Um, you, you know, or you can try to pay up for him. That's really the only choices. But, you know, you can look at – his teammate, Dallas Goddard, who's only 3,700 on DraftKings, uh, you know, he's averaging 5.6 targets per game over the past five games. Um, the only problem with Dallas Goddard is he's yet to really pop without a touchdown. Yeah. You know, uh, he's only hit double-digit fantasy points when he scores. He's not giving you high reception, high yardage games. Maybe there's one of these games that can happen because Seattle's 28th in yardage allowed to tight ends, and they've only faced two tight end one scores on the whole entire season. So they might just be bad at defending the position. Uh, so, I mean, it could be a chance where they, you know, just we ride these two tight ends and hopefully to score because we need them to score because we know that Seattle is not going to push the envelope if the Eagles aren't going to do their part. We've been down this road to Seahawks the entire season. We live this life with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's been a QB one now in just one of his past four games because if they don't have to press the scoreboard, they're not going to press the scoreboard. Uh, and this Eagles pass defense has really kind of, you know, turn the corner a little bit. I mean, they you can kind of look at the quarterback play, and they face Dak Prescott and then Josh Allen, Trubisky, and Brady. So maybe the last three guys, you say, well, they're not that good. But, uh, you know, those past three guys have only averaged 188 passing yards against them. So I really, really, really hope that this game goes the way the odds makers are setting it up as because if the Eagles aren't able to get to that 25 in the, you know, a quarter, you know, team line, I mean, Seattle ain't really going to push it because that's not what they do. Yeah, I mean, this is a game stack or nothing for me. Like you said, like if it's if Philly's not scoring, Seattle ain't going to worry about it, honestly. And you mentioned Zach Ertz and paying up for him. And in tournaments, I kind of love it. I really do. And I'm not a Zach Ertz guy, you know, mainly because he was coming into this season with a million other targets. Well, like you said, Reeves, we're down to that point now where they're out of dudes. So I definitely like Ertz this week. And if you're paying up to be contrarian, I think Ertz is one of the ways to go. And if we look at the Seattle side, I mean, of course we can play Russ Wilson. I think if I'm not paying, like there are three quarterbacks I mentioned as of right now, it's Russ, it's Ryan and it's Wentz. And Russ probably has the highest ceiling, but of course, Dago, as we like to complain about the floor is not all that high with Russ. 
And as Reeve said, it just really just comes down to what Seattle has to do and if they're put under the gun and forced to throw. Because Chris Carson, they will, despite his inefficiencies, despite his subpar 4.2 yards per carry and six fumbles this season, they'll gladly go back to him as he's done in 20-plus touches in six of his last seven games. Uh, And we have Tyler Lockett, who they are saying is going to play, but it's really sounding, and it's only Wednesday but it is really sounding like it's one of those games he plays despite not practicing or at the very best being limited on Friday because it seems very skeptical what's coming out of their camp right now. And if that's the case, we know Tyler Lockett's only good for tournaments anyways, right? Like Tyler Lockett is the Derrick Henry of wide receivers and that he just has to score a touchdown and be inefficient on however many targets he's get on he gets. But we still have DK Metcalf if Tyler Lockett's out, even though ownership will then become concentrated DK Metcalf. And if you want to throw a dart. Oh, no. And it's just a dart. Oh, no. So there's actually two options here. Let's go with oh, no first, and that's Josh Gordon. Yes, definitely. That is definitely oh, no. Josh Gordon is oh, no. However, I think Jacob Hollister gets really interesting if Tyler Lockett's out because we can project uh, Jacob Hollister's workload. Ed Dixon is coming back, but Ed Dixon was always a career run blocker, even with Seattle last year, anyhow. Uh, And he played without Will Disley. But now Jacob Hollister has played over 73% of their snaps in the last two games. He's actually, uh, he's had a tight end one and a tight end, two top two tight end four performances the past two games with Seattle as well, because they're using him like they use Will Disley in the red zone in particular, uh, so, yeah, I, I think Jacob Hollister is kind of the sneaky pivot to go to if Tyler Lockett's ruled out. And if Tyler Lockett's ruled in, i probably actually lean on DK Metcalf for his end zone and deep ball usage as opposed to trying to lock in Tyler Lockett. It's his price. Yeah, and, you know, you look at this team, and like you said, whatever happens with Tyler Lockett, I think Metcalf is interesting. And nobody's paying 6-3 for a DK Metcalf. Right. I think even if Tyler Lockett is out, Reeves, I would be surprised if we saw a lot of ownership on Metcalf, which, of course, makes him a great tournament option. And by the way, this Philadelphia secondary, we know the guy, kind of guy that they get burned by Reeves. And it's guys, even like – he's oh, no, I understand. But it's guys like DK Metcalf. It's guys like Josh Gordon. Like, in tournaments, Reeves, I'm going to like these guys. Yeah, I mean, you should always like him. I mean, Russell Wilson leads the league in end zone targets. DK Metcalf is tied for the league lead in end zone targets as a wide receiver. He's also had nine or more targets in three of his past four games. That's including a 10-target game against San Francisco. And, you know, maybe he scores if he doesn't fumble and get that ball ripped away from him at that one, in the one-yard line, uh, you know, on that screen. So, I mean, they used him against the team that he had no business doing well against, and he still had 10 targets, you know, on that Monday night game against the 49ers. And we know, I mean, they're – uh, the Eagles are 25th in touchdowns allowed to opposing wide receivers. They're last in the league in points allowed to boundary wide receivers. Like I said, they've, they've not allowed a lot of passing yards the past month. Um, but like I said, maybe that attributes to some of the quarterbacks they've faced as well. Um, you know, but they have been a team that we've chased a little bit with some wide receiver production and they've kind of shut the door on us, you know, the past month. Um, but uh yeah, I think he's in play. The Hollister Dixon thing is interesting too. I'm, I, I got, I had this take a lot in my timeline today as well. It's also you're not factoring in the team uh, that is involved. So Seattle's constantly shown that they are a team that is all about competition and that uh, you know when guys play well, they play the guys that play well. And Jacob Hollister has played well with the opportunity they've given him. 
he's they're not they're not going to move away from because he's been successful. They've done that with every guy. It happened with Chris Carson last year, even though they drafted Rashad Penny. David Moore, when he started to play well, they played him. I mean, Russell Wilson, going back to Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn, like they play the guys that are playing the best football. They're one of these teams that don't really pull stuff on us. Like they play the guys that are playing glad. Well. I'm glad you actually say that because it's going to be Luke Wilson Sunday morning as well because Luke Wilson was doubtful and now it sounds like he's going to play. And as we know, Reeves, as you initially said, when you play Luke Wilson, you take two L's, not one. So uh, <laughs> it might scare some people off Hollister if they have three tight ends active. So no, that's a, that's a really good take. Yeah, and you know, honestly, guys, don't be concerned with Jacob Hollister. He's the guy. We've seen Russ just do this with guys. Every time he gets in the end zone or near the red zone, this is where he wants to go. And we saw Hollister. He's had, I think he's averaging 20 points in his last two games. And Russ likes him. He's seeing the targets. This isn't a, this isn't a smoke and mirror things. I like Hollister plenty. Before we go on to our next game, I want to let you guys know, if you're watching on YouTube, one, we appreciate you. We like you guys watching. Appreciate you guys, you know, checking us out. We're having a lot of fun. Check out rotogrinders.com, of course. But before you go to rotogrinders.com, Click the like button, click the subscribe button, comment and say, man, that crane is a good looking dude. You guys know how to do this. So comment yeah. and say Daigle doesn't know how to pronounce Ogumbawale. You still don't. I, I think d- I actually got it right that time, to be fair. Reeves, you should know this. I mean, o- Ogumbawale, right? Ogumbawale. Right. All right. I'm I'm losing a syllable in there. Um, like, subscribe. I'm not going to lose a syllable there, though. Make sure you click those buttons. We really appreciate it. it. Helps us out over rotogrinders.com. If you like the content you're getting over here, well, do it. Hook us up. Appreciate it. All right, let's move on to the Raiders and the Jets. It's 46.5 point total. The Raiders, three point favorites on the road. And Reeves, were you surprised I picked this game? No, because I ran down the slate, and this is one of the games that actually have a total over 45 points. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I mean, this is a, and this is the one game, too, that, like, there are a lot of bad games on the slate, but this is one that I'll pay attention to. This has bad fun potential uh, because we've got two teams that really can't stop the pass, and we have a Jets team that is incredible against stopping the run, which is what the Raiders want to do on early downs. Uh, you know, we talked about it last week with Josh Jacobs and, you know, I played Josh Jacobs in cash, but I, we talked about him being a complete tournament fade because he only scores his points one way. And if he doesn't score a touchdown, he wasn't going to pop and he didn't score a touchdown last week. He had some opportunities inside the five and got stoned, uh, but they didn't end up scoring that touchdown and didn't come close to, to hitting, you know, you know, the kind of value you wanted to hit for that kind of ownership. Obviously, if he wouldn't have that kind of ownership, my take would have been as strong, but anytime you have a guy that's one dimensional and is going to be owned over 30% in tournaments, like that's pretty easy because you're just counting on touchdown variants to swing your way. Uh, you have a big advantage on the field. Uh, and now Jacobs is facing, you know, a team that is first in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per drive. They're first in the NFL in expected points added via their run defense, and they're awful at stopping the pass. Uh, they did stop the pass pretty decently for three quarters. They didn't let Dwayne uh, get get his points until garbage time, but, you know, Haskins still got 18 point fantasy points in that game. I mean, he got there. Uh, he didn't help us with our boy McLaurin. We didn't get the stack. Oh, off. we were close, uh, though, man. We were close. Uh, we had yeah. that giant bomb called back. Like we were close. Yeah, but I mean, they cheated. I mean, that's I have a real big problem. With this. <laughs> this is the year, you know, not to go off off track here. This I've never seen a fantasy season where fantasy people and analysts are so fixated on plays that didn't count. Uh, guys, they cheated. They played it count because they cheated. You know, George Kittle has four touchdowns that didn't count. Yeah, guess what? They cheated to score the touchdown. <laughs> like, 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 there's a reason the play didn't count, you know? Uh, so, I mean, listen, I've never seen so many things like, these guys lost on these plays. They didn't lose anything. 
Team cheated and they got called for it. I mean, it was a monster hold on that play. That's why I played it count. It was when Haskins had to step up. <laughs> it, like, it clearly impacted, you know, it's, 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 so whatever. This is like uh, the most you know, old man rant I've heard it from is. you. But what's, what's funny is, though, it's like the only person I hear saying it, though. I haven't heard anyone just say, no, the play didn't count, you idiots. It just didn't count. It's that easy. <laughs> No, it didn't count. You don't get the points to play it count. I, you know? I want yards. I want yards for pass interference calls. No, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm not ready to go open that Pandora's box. But uh, I'm really excited to see the Raiders have to throw the football a little bit, you know, here. Like, I believe they'll have to. I think they can still run a little bit on every, everybody, and they're going to try. Uh, it's not like they're just going to not They're definitely the going to try, and it's um, not going to work. But, I mean, they're going to have to throw the football a little bit. And we talked about, you know, just how many points the Jets have been giving up on the boundaries. And, like, maybe this is a week for the Raiders to finally give some targets to Tyrell Williams, man. Yeah. His, use, his usage has just been so flat since he's come back. He hasn't had more than four catches in a game since week two. Um, he hasn't had more than six targets over his past four games since coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Jets have allowed 189 yards per game and 10 total touchdowns to wideouts the past month. Uh, on the boundary so it's like let's go I mean it's crazy too is the Jets actually have a really good slot corner who was bad his whole career until this year so I'm not really going to stock that with Brian Poole but he's actually 10th in yards allowed per coverage snap in the slot and so they've been just really pushing like the deep ball has just been so successful against them and like you said McLaurin almost he did catch the one almost caught the other so I mean I'm looking at this to be a game where it's like I want to get Tyrell Williams into some some upside you know environment here because it's on deck I love Tyrell this week. I love Tyrell this week. I, I'm not sure I need to go with Derek Carr, but I mean, you just look at, like you said, this Jets team, they are a pass funnel. They're like, I think you can play any of these guys. Hunter Renfro, I don't hate. I never hate him. I mean, maybe you can throw, the, uh, throw a dart at Zay Jones. Huh? Ah? Okay, maybe not. But Tyrell's the guy for me, Dagle, if I'm looking at this Raiders offense that I have a ton of interest in. And again, he looks too cheap. You know, we were talking about that with DK Metcalf. It's sort of the same thing where Tyrell's sitting there at 5.9K. Nobody wants to pay 5.9 for Tyrell, which to me, that's sort of a green light. Are you going to make it three for three on Tyrell? It is not impossible for Tyrell Williams to get there. He just has to do it on so few targets. And he can. He really can. The issue is that the past month in the Raiders' offense, since they returned from bye, that's when they started integrating Hunter Renfro more. And in that time, Darren Waller's taken the biggest hit. Darren Waller in particular, his target share went from 26% before the bye to 18% the past four weeks, tied with Hunter Renfro in that span, 22 targets each. And that's where now Tyrell Hill fits in, Tyrell Williams fits in, because Tyrell Williams is the downfield threat, right? Tyrell Williams has 100, nearly 150 more air yards than the next closest guy, Darren Waller. He is truly their only option over the top of secondaries. And as Reeb said, that's where the Jets are getting burned. So he can absolutely get there. He just has to make the most of his few opportunities. And even a flag, a cheat play, won't help him get there at all because that, that accounts for one of his four targets per game. I'm sorry. I just can't get over my like this mental image of Reeb sitting there watching a game and a dude catches the and he just stands by his couch. Cheater! Cheater you! Like it's just it's great. And Reeves, I you know, look, I respect the fight, man. That's good. I'm I'm happy for you that you finally found something to be passionate about. Do you feel good about this is your new passion? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, we, you know, a lot of people have been complaining about these flags in NFL games. And it's a, it is a problem, but I mean, really like 
90% of these plays are just like completely bonehead dumb plays. Like that 49ers Cardinals game, every time the 49ers seemingly had a good pass play, there was a penalty, but they were like all legit calls. Like just them, like guys doing dumbass things. Even, it was like, yeah, like <laughs> even Josh Reynolds, like that Sunday night 55 yard catch or whatever. Yeah, like that's it what was, I'm talking it was, about. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was holding. Like he wouldn't have got that the ball up. Yeah, he would. A golf wouldn't have got the ball up. It wasn't holding on the line no, of scrimmage. So it was. It was Whitworth just did it. They no one covered him up. Like the receiver just didn't yeah. line up a half yard. Like that's basic stuff. And people are complaining like, "Oh, flags." It's like, no, dummy, just do your job. Just line up a step up front. It's a sixty-yard touchdown, and we're all happy. Old man yells at cloud. <laughs> all right, let's talk about this Jets side because if I'm to believe some projected ownership right now, we might be seeing a chalk Levy on Bell week, and he's the look. He's priced as the RB12 over on DK. Like, Daigle, like, he's just too cheap, man. Are you interested in Le'Veon Bell this week? So the issue is that since he's been popping up now on the injury report for consecutive weeks, it finally caught up to him in this past game. Uh, He played a season-low 55% of their snaps. He still got 20 touches in general, 18 carries. As we know all season, though, his carries – and. It is, it is great. Don't get me wrong. It is great to average uh, over 20 touches per game. But as we know, his carries have just been uninspired behind what is arguably the worst offensive line, if not 1A to Miami's 1B. And that's why he's averaged just over three yards per attempt. But given how cheap his salary is, given the ugliness that is this slate among running backs, I can definitely see you playing him in cash games for his, for his touches. But, uh, but tournaments – the ceiling is absolutely questionable in my opinion. And I'm, I'm curious to get Reeves take on that because as we said, it is such a weird week with running backs that maybe, maybe 24 touches will get you there this week. Yeah. I have no problem with him in tournaments. I don't like, I'm trying to figure out who else is going to score on the jets. Honestly, Reeves, like who's it going to be? Are you just playing bell? I mean, he really hasn't been the guy scoring. So, I mean, I assume the other guys just keep yeah, I mean, the Jets haven't been scoring either outside of Sam Darnold running the ball in. No, but- in the last two weeks, they, I mean, listen, the last two weeks he's got there. So, Le'Veon Bell has uh, three touchdowns since week one. They're from one yard, one yard, and yep. two yards away. So, uh, one. Um, listen, he ain't, he's not a guy. He's not getting these big plays. Over the past four games, he's carried 61 times for 182 yards. Um, he is he is last in the league in yards before contact because this offensive line is awful uh they can't create anything for him and then his natural own inherent running style to you know pick and prod and you know probe a defense just isn't conducive with this offensive line and then he's also playing injured so also no explosive plays from him so I mean the touches are great I mean 20 22 25 touches the past three weeks you're good on those. Oakland has not been good the past two weeks. They just allowed Joe Mixon and the Bengals backs to have 149 yards of scrimmage. The Chargers backfield got him for 182 yards of scrimmage in that Thursday night or two weeks ago. So, I mean, you can kind of squint and see it. Come on I, board, baby. I mean, there's I, – I am with David. I don't think the ceiling is there, the requisite ceiling. It's like he's like a floor play only, and he's kind of a floor play only with a touchdown. I mean, it's it's tough. Uh, he's probably not going to be a guy I'm not I'm going to go overweight on, especially if you're already hinting the ownership's going to be this high on him. Um, because the Raiders are another one. It seems like it really just can't stop the pass. Darnold has got it going. You know, we were all like in season long league saying like, oh, you know, grab Darnold for this stretch of games he's got, and then he got that came up and the Dolphins came up and he completely bricked it. And we were like, uh oh, yeah, everybody uh-oh. backed off. Everybody was. Uh-oh. Done. 
<laughs> but then, he, you know, he got there the week after against the Giants. And, you know, granted, he had the rushing touchdown, but, you know, he, he got there with the points. And then last week he came and they, they just from go, like they wrecked, they wrecked the Redskins. Like it was, it was a destruction spot. Um, I can't believe the Jets were actually dogs in that game too. Uh, but he had 25 fantasy points and he did it through the air, throwing the guys like Daniel Brown, Ryan Griffin, uh, the ghost of Robbie Anderson caught a touchdown. Oh, yeah, and then he uh, and then he was so excited he did the the leap into the crowd, but like missed people catching him and just ended up on the stairs. Listen, he hasn't been getting many reps, buddy. He needs to. No, 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 he get right now. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, I, the guy that's consistently been good is Jamison Crowder. I mean, he's in games that Darnold has played, he's eighth among all wide receivers in fantasy points. He's ninth in target share, over twenty five percent. Um, you know, he's got touchdown his past their games. The problem with Crowder is that the price has started to catch up and he's inherently one of those guys that if he doesn't score a touchdown, doesn't ha- offer like a real high ceiling. You know, he's kind of one of those, that kind of an archetype guy where he's six for eight. He looks a lot worse when it doesn't come with a touchdown. Uh, you know, but, uh, he's been the guy that's been kind of consistent. And then obviously people are going to want to double down on Ryan Griffin. He's played 90% of the snaps in any game that Chris Herndon hasn't, hasn't taken a snap. Um, and, and Herndon might never play again. Well, he's not playing in this year. He's on IR. He's done for the year. No, I mean yeah. never. Like, oh, I'm never I'm again. Not this trap again. Yeah, and then you know, Oakland's allowed seven touchdowns to tight ends. It's second, tied for second most at the position with the Bucks uh, behind the Cardinals. Uh, they're 28th in fantasy points side game tight ends. So I mean, there's some like reason to look at Ryan Griffin. Uh, he's he's priced a little more than I'm really. To, the click on Ryan Griffin for, but uh, you know, he's there. He's the, I I can't really say he's a fine play. He's a fine play. <laughs> He's like, a fine play. You are as average as it comes, Ryan Griffin. Congratulations. Dagle, look at this Jets team. I mean, I know you don't like Le'Veon Bell. What about the passing game, though? Are you playing some Darnold? We know, look, home underdogs, traditionally, we like the quarterbacks. I I just can't click the Jamison Crowder button, man. I can't do it. And every week... He's like the first dude to score, and I cry, and it's not fun for anybody. I get weird looks for my kid, and yet here I am just once again saying, I'm not playing Jamison Crowder. Are you playing any of this passing attack? So this one for me as a whole is your Seattle-Philly game because it's either game stack or nothing because there is a lot of room, I feel like anyways, for this game to bust. Uh, both offenses rank bottom six in, in uh, seconds per play. So just two slow offenses in general. And the Raiders, it kind of makes sense that their defense has suddenly clicked their pass rush anyways, uh, which is what we're concerned about in this game. Because they had five road games. Because remember, they had two road games, uh, four road games, sandwiched in between one London game. And then now they've been home the past three games. And since they've returned home, 12 sacks and seven turnovers. Their pass rush has been... Uh, uh, if not elite, above average. And the fact is Sam Darnold is now getting pressured at a league high rate. And Sam Darnold has been making his throws from clean pockets. And that's why Robbie Anderson has been non-existent the past month. It's because they've had no choice but to shorten their passing game. Hence Ryan Griffin's sudden involvement on 90% of the snaps without Chris Herndon. And then hence uh, uh, Jameson Crowder and Demaryius Thomas's usage underneath because they've just become a shallow passing team. So it is very possible Sam Darnold has four scores and has that GPP winning ceiling. But one, either way, his floor is high. It is just a matter of how slow is this game truly going to go? And can Oakland not not be successful through the air, but will Oakland efficiently attack downfield through the air? Because it's something they haven't been doing. So does the matchup make them change it? 
And in those question marks alone, make it a tournament winning stack potentially, but also lots of reasons to just not have any pieces whatsoever. See, this is what I hate when I multi-enter is I hate playing a quarterback where I don't know what receiver to play with him. And I'm looking, I don't know which one to play. And for that reason, as they say on the old shark tank, I'm out on Sam Darnold this week in tournaments. I'm, I'm moving on. I understand if you want to play him, if you feel strongly about Robbie, about Crowder, even Ryan Griffin, Hey, Knock yourselves out. It just ain't for me. Um, before we jump into our quarterbacks, like, subscribe button. If you're watching over on YouTube, first of all, come on over and check us out on Roto Grinders. We're friendly. We're polite. We love you. So make sure you go ahead and leave the old YouTube and just come to us on Roto Grinders. But first, before you leave, click the like button. Click the subscribe button. It helps us out, and uh, we really appreciate it. All right, let's talk some quarterbacks. Dag, I'm just going to start with you. And I got to know, one of you is going to talk about Baker Mayfield. I know one of you is, and I feel like that person may need to be shamed. Daigle, is that person going to be you? Actually, I, I will be shamed for it, but Reeves had the better tweet about it, so I'm going to actually punt it over to him, and let's let him talk about it because he has the better stats for it. All right, he, go ahead, Reeves. Talk to us about And I'm, I'm on board with what he's about to say, completely 100% on board. Well, well first of all, why don't you want to play Baker? Let me ask you first. Yeah, because he sucks. He doesn't suck. For fantasy, he has Past three weeks. He's all right, so he's, it's on you, man. Go for it. You all right. the, I'm just the host, man. You're, so he's you're, our, so his past three weeks, he's faced three top 10 pass defenses in the league, Denver, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh. He's had 17 or more fantasy points in all three of those games. Over that three-week stretch, he's been pressured on just 26.7% of his dropbacks. That's the second lowest rate in the league behind Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he was 36% prior. His red zone stats have gone way up. He's, he's been efficient in the red zone, you know, over the past three weeks. And these are against three tough matchups that he wasn't supposed to be good in. And he's been not only usable, but he had a 20-point game on Thursday night against the Steelers. He gets an elite matchup at home. It's the first one he's had in forever. Actually, the first one he's had all season outside of Seattle. And in that game, he was also a top-10 scoring quarterback. Miami's 27th in passing points allowed, 18.2. They're 32nd in touchdown rate allowed to opposing quarterbacks. I mean, he is a hundred more dollars on DraftKings than Sam Donald, who we just talked about. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer to play this guy because he's already been playing well, even though the perception he's been playing bad. Uh, they've run twelve personnel twenty-six uh, percent of the time after just fourteen percent of the time prior. They haven't really been successful on those plays, but they're using two backs, two tight ends more, getting the ball out of his hands. Uh, and like I said, it's it's their offense has been actually. Pro- progressing against teams that it should have been progressing on. And now he, he gets the floodgates, the dam about to be opened against the team that has been awful all season. We've targeted all season of quarterback play. So why wouldn't we continue to do so on a guy that we don't even have to fudge the numbers for like we had to with Darnold two weeks ago. This is a guy that's already coming off of three really good games. Do we think that Dar- that Mayfield is the guy that right now we've got projected at nine or 10% and as the week goes on, we see his ownership pretty rapidly rise. I think Wentz is going to prevent it. Wentz being okay. fifty six hundred, I think Wentz being fifty six hundred is going to prevent like a big jump if there's an increase. I think a lot of people are going to want to play Matt Ryan first, mm-hmm. and then they're going to want to play Carson Wentz if you go down, and then um, you know maybe we get some more Driscoll run back. <laughs> Stop it. Stop he's, it. Get out of here. He's pretty good, to be honest. Like, Driscoll's played really well the past two games. He's it's, the perfect – he's my kind of fantasy quarterback because it's that hair on fire, 
Like he gets, he gets you like 40 rushing yards a game. Yeah. He's getting every play. You don't know if it's going to be terrible or amazing. It's, I mean, it's, <laughs> so you get the fantasy points and the entertainment. That's what you said. I, I wish he would have been on the field for Ty Johnson week. Cause he's accounted for 23% of their carries too. So like, we just wouldn't have played Ty Johnson, but instead we ended up playing Ty Johnson in some spots. So and we all know how that worked out and that yeah. it didn't. Yeah, that was whew, that Ty Johnson. That whole that whole situation's like me. I don't want to talk about the Lions' backfield ever again. Dago, did you have any other quarterbacks you wanted to talk about? I think the Patriots Cowboys game as a whole is interesting. Um, Tom Brady. I don't get me wrong. I know he's been very bad, and Sanu and Dorsett are both banged up right now. But it's still a Cowboys team that allowed seven explosive plays to Jeff Driscoll. They're allowing over three twenty-plus yard plays per game. Uh, and so Tom Brady, even if it's just via Julian Edelman, Tom Brady, this is actually a really good defensive uh, defensive matchup for him. So I think he's a sneaky one that people played against Philly. And then whether it truly was those gusts of wins or not that forced Brady and Wentz to both throw warm burners, maybe it's just because they're both bad. Who knows? But if you're going to play Wentz again, why aren't you just going back to Brady and what is arguably a better matchup? So and in deeper, deeper tournaments, I like Brady. I know it's ugly. It's ugly. It's ugly, man. I like. I I can't do Brady Reeves. Is there anybody else besides Mayfield you wanted to talk about? No, that was pretty much it. Outside of Driscoll. All right, let's <laughs> come on. You and I'm, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas, man. You're getting a Jeff Driscoll jersey. I ended up playing Driscoll in cash. I think like, just because I wanted to play McCaffrey. That was that was the better play. I went. Uh, I went Kyle Allen. Driscoll was the better play for sure. Yeah, yeah think, it, it didn't happen until later in the week, but him yeah. being 4,600 4, and looking at his rushing output and then against the Bears, and then I thought there would be more dropbacks in that game, so I got lucky in that regard, but uh, that the, he's the only drop back 26 times. I was expecting over 40 with the game script, but uh, he got there. So over his two starts, he's averaging uh, 1.99 fantasy points per possession, which is fifth of all Mongol quarterbacks the past few weeks. Um, not the greatest of passer, just 6.6 yards to pass them. But this team really can only do one thing well, and he's also the, he's probably their best running back, to be honest, at this point. And, uh, you know, Washington's uh, a team that allows, like, a, a lot of efficiency. They're 32nd in completion rate allowed to opposing passers, 28th in touchdown rate. Uh, so, I mean, I think that the price hike will probably push me off of him. Uh, but uh, he's a guy that is that wild card, man. Um, but the problem he is, is what you said, Crane, he's hard to stack. You know, he's hard to find a guy because he does a little bit on his own with the rushing. And then um, the other guys are just like kind of high variance touchdown guys in Galladay and Lamar. Oh, if you're playing Driscoll, just play him by yourself, man. Like that's like the, by himself. You don't need to pair him up with anybody. Um, yeah, my last week, instead of playing Driscoll, do you know what I did? Oh, oh no. If you just thought Kyle Allen, I'm curious then. No, 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 no. Yeah. Quarterback, I just played a um, – I played some wins. But I've also Lamar Jackson was my highest stone. But yeah, instead of doing the Jeff Driscoll thing, I decided I didn't want to play Driscoll. I didn't want anything to do with Driscoll. So who is my highest stone defense? The Dallas Cowboys. And now we're going to move on to running back after I cry for a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, this is a weird running back slate. Of course, we're going to like Christian McCaffrey. There are a lot of guys in this kind of like seven to eight k range that we're going to like. Not a lot of value out there. So Daigle. Where are you looking at running back? Give me a high price one and maybe somebody that's a little bit cheaper that we can play. I mean, high is weird because outside of Christian McCaffrey, I mean, you have you do have some solid options between Kamara, Chubb, uh, Zeke, and Leonard Fournette. I like Fournette quite a bit in that middling price point. 
if only because 15 and 16 touches the past two weeks, they've already made him the squeaky wheel narrative of the week, saying uh, they have to, quote-unquote, reestablish the run. He averaged 25 touches per game before these past two games. I would imagine he goes right back to that. However, someone I, I really like, and this is clearly if you're going with Baker Mayfield, because Nick Chubb, I would imagine, is going to be extremely high, high-owned, even in 11-point uh, spread at home for Cleveland, even though Nick Chubb is just kind of like Fournette or Henry, where he has to score, to, or more like Henry, where he has to score since he's not really involved in the passing game. But who is involved in the passing game on that very same team, if you want to stack, the oh. second stacking option, is none other than Kareem Hunt. I'm yes. fine with that. Because Kareem Hunt, a 24% target share these past two games since he's returned. I never imagined this offense was that good or that intelligent to use him accordingly, and truly they have. Uh, 54% of their snaps in that time, 47 routes on on 74 of Mayfield's dropbacks. He is their third receiver behind Landry and Beckham. So if you're going to go to Beckham as the primary stacking option for Mayfield, and we'll talk about him in a second, the secondary option, I think Kareem Hunt is, is a great way to also get off Nick Chubb, whose floor is maybe high, but you have to have Nick Chubb score a touchdown. And we've seen their play calling inside the five. It's not guaranteed whatsoever. Yeah, Chubb's kind of one of those guys that I feel like I, I'm supposed to like more than I actually do. Yeah, I like what you said about Kareem Hunt. Um, Look, he's a really good fantasy play this week. And at 5.6K, I think you could do a lot better or a lot worse. Um, I mean, you could play David Montgomery for 100 cheaper. With, no, you know, like, oh, please God. don't make me. I, I, dude, he's too cheap. He's too cheap. He's going to get 20 is, touches. I know. He's too cheap. He's going to get 20 touches, and he has six points in each of his last two games. So I understand you don't want to click the button, but at 5.5K against the bad Giants defense, I'm willing to. I don't like it, but I don't have to like it. That's I'm going to play some David Montgomery. Reeves. High end, the low running back for you. Who you got? Yeah, you know, uh, this this is interesting. So, like you said, I mean, I blacked out when I saw that DK had Jalen Samuels at 7,200. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Uh, um, but, I mean, th- we could have some value open up. I mean, so, first of all, I think Kamara is a great play. Uh, so, he um, he's playing – He's playing the, the the amount of snaps that like since Latavius has come like it's all but like we thought like it was going to be more of like a, a they'd go back to like a Mark Ingram Kamara kind of punch and it hasn't been it's still been Kamara dominating snaps he's uh he's gone over twenty touches now five times he did that he did that just five times all of last season he hasn't scored a touchdown since week three and he's facing against a team that's allowed the most touchdowns opposing running backs in the NFL this season. It seems like there's some symmetry for the dam to break, uh, you know, the touchdown dam to break for Kamara. And then we know you get the receiving floor with him, which is what we always love. Um, but there could be some value opening up. It looked like initial reports today, and now it's Wednesday, there could be some things that change, is that uh, there's going to be a really good chance that Adrian Peterson doesn't play Sunday, uh, which would open up, you know, Darius Geis, you know, at 4-7 for us. Uh he only played 20 snaps the first week where Peterson played 17. They kind of had like a 1A, 1B thing, even though you saw he had that 45-yard catch and run to end that game. Uh, but that could at least open it up to against a Detroit team that's lost 17 touchdowns to running backs, just one behind that Carolina team we just talked about, 30th in yards of scrimmage opposing backfields. They're, they're a home team. We know Bill Callahan wants to run the football if he can. So, I mean, that would open up at least the guy we could throw some volume at cheaply outside of David Montgomery. Uh 
you know, he is. And then I think that there's a couple interesting guys too. So we're looking for some salary savers or, or just some guys that have usable floors, right? Uh, this yeah. week in cash, um, the way the slate lines up. I think so I know I'm, one of them, maybe. Well, I'll let you talk first. One guy I think it's interesting this week, and it's a guy I typically would never play, is James White. Uh, he, he's had double-digit PPR points in every game but one. They probably aren't going to have Mohamed Sanu. It looks like they won't have Philip Dorsett. The Cowboys are fourth in the NFL in limiting uh, wide receiver points in the boundaries, so that doesn't bode well for a guy like Nikhil Harry to get a big bump who people are going to want to circle back to you yeah. so i mean it, i mean james white's not a guy that's going to get you 25 but he is a guy i think that for his price tag can get you you know 15 plus and be a usable glue guy this week in cash uh to get you some of the guys you want to play so we're gonna need to play one of these backs around 5k this week and then i think if you want to go in tournaments in that route uh i think an interesting guy underneath him is uh philip Lindsay. Uh, he's out-touched Royce Freeman in three straight games. He's out-touched him 46-28. to 28. It's a pretty big edge over these three games. Um, the Bills are a team we've targeted with running back play on the season. Um, they've allowed 133.4 yards of scrimmage per game to running backs, and then running backs have scored 59% of the touchdowns against the Bills. That's the third-highest rate in the league. So, I mean, he could be another guy. He's shown he's had some ceiling weak potential uh, in his repertoire. He's not a cash game guy by any means, but uh, – He's, a, he's another guy in that price range where I'm looking to play one of these guys at 5K if we don't get to Geis later in the week. Chuck Darius guy scares the hell out of me, but I absolutely get it. we got about five minutes left. Let's move on to wide receiver. And, we, you know, we spent that whole time on the Browns game. We didn't even really talk Odell. And Odell's going to be really chalky. Of course, we like Julio Jones this week. Um, I'm going to like Julio Jones every week. This week, I think he's almost a lock button play. Dago, give me some wide receivers. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess I'll hit on Odell really quick. Um, Just the past two weeks alone, ever since Baker came out and said he's going to start throwing to him more or they need to force feed him, um, number seven in targets among receivers, number seven in target share, 31%, uh, and number four in air yards among all wideouts, two targets inside the five. But despite all of that, zero touchdowns the past two weeks and number 29 receiver on DraftKings and FanDuel overall. So I like him a lot as the first primary stacking option if you're playing Baker Mayfield, or perhaps even if you're not. I also like Julian Edelman, as I said. Um, Brady's a deep tournament play, but either way, like Edelman's a guy that everyone played last week, and now over the last five games, he's averaged just under 12 targets per game, and I don't expect that to falter whatsoever. Uh indoor or against Dallas, who, as we said, continue allowing explosive plays in particular to wide receivers through the air. So uh, I think Julian Edelman's at the perfect price point as well, because if everyone is going to run to Beckham, Julian Edelman's literally one slot right underneath that. So it works out better on DraftKings, but that's where I like him anyways. All right, Reeves, give me some wide receiver talk. Yeah. Love Odell. Uh, Cheapies down there. I mean, uh, we finally waited, man. Maybe because it's every Dolphins game feels like a preseason game, but Mr. Devontae Parker has been playing well, man. Well, it only took over, us five years. It only yep. took us five years and the team to basically treat every game like a preseason game. That's his environment, <laughs> though. That's his environment. He excels in the preseason. And, you know, uh, over the past seven weeks, he's been the wider 17 in scoring. He's at double-digit points in all those games. Since Preston Williams got hurt, he's had 10 targets in each game. 26% of the team targets last week, get a terrible matchup and still got over with the targets and the, the yardage. It's going to be junk script and you'll have to wait to the second half probably for it all to really start counting. But you know, he's another guy, like a salary saving guy. 
And then, man, I don't want to do this one, but uh, I, I mean, is it going to be something where we have to at least explore James Washington this week? Uh, yes. All these guys are going to be out. You know, if they're not, they already aren't going to have Juju. Deontay Johnson um, had a really tough hit. He took a really bad hit. You know, he, he had a scary, a scary hit last week, you know, where he had the blood coming out of his ear. Yeah. That one was, that was no, that was no good. Um, but, you know, he might be pressing the lead wide receiving duties against this Bengals defense that really isn't that good. And over the past three weeks, he's caught 13 to 16 targets. Um, I, I don't love it because I kind of hate that game in general. I told our editor, Dan Pazuda, that uh, this is, I think fantasy-wise, it's the worst game of the season, that Steelers-Bengals game. It's one that should actually, like, it should technically, you would think, lead to fantasy points because, like, Jalen Samuels with that Connor should smash, but none of them seem like they're going to. Like, because that offensive personnel for both sides is arguably the worst I've ever seen of any, like, game whatsoever combined. Yeah, but on the bright side, you can still pay 7-2 for Jalen Samuels if you want exposure to this game. Tyler Boyd couldn't even no. catch Tyler Boyd couldn't even get okay. one yard last week from Ryan Finley because that's how bad they are. Like I thought you were going to recommend him. No, no, Joe Mixon has 48 touches the past two weeks, and you can't use him. Like, you literally just can't use him because that offense is so bad. Yep, don't worry. We can still play. If you play Mixon, run it back with Johnny Holton, play a little Benny Snell in life. Oh, God, I'm going to walk into the ocean right now. <laughs> well, before you do that, tell the people where they can find you, Diggle. RotoWorld.com, RotoWorld Football Podcast on iTunes and Sunday, NBC Sports, Twitch, and YouTube. We will be there answering your season-long questions. Please don't ask me questions about Dari Ungumboale. <laughs> no, please do. And it only asks how to pronounce it. Reeves, where can the people find you? Yeah, at Lord Reeves at Twitter. You can find me at my house. Uh, that's in Amherst, Ohio. Uh, I've been there. It's pretty good. At, also at Sharp Football Analysis. Uh, you could you could find me there. Worksheet, DFS content, the whole shebang. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it. And I also appreciate you guys watching. It's been a lot of fun. Again, if you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, stop messing around. Check us out on RotoGrinders.com. But before you do that, click the like button. Click the subscribe button. And, hey, give us a little comment. Say, man, Crane. You are looking good today. The beard's all trimmed up. The hair's a little messy, but hey, that's how we roll. But we got to get out of here. We got a fun show coming up next. It's Britt Devine and Scott Barrett joining us for the Pro Football Focus Show. want to thank Dagel and Reeves for joining me. I'm Eric Crane. We'll catch you all later. Peace.